of trying to cross the Arctotromp. <laughs> so the Arctotromp, right? There's like it's a massive roundabout. Yeah. It's just constant go, 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 go. Yeah. Yeah. There's no lanes. And Maria and I were trying to work out how we cross it to get <laughs> what the fuck? to the Arctotromp. <laughs> In the middle, didn't realise there was a tunnel going on. Yeah, mate, you can't cross the road. <laughs> anyway, so we were like ready to play Frogger and cross the road and we're standing alongside the road and this guy on a bike, this French man who was beautiful, was on the road, was in the Arc de Triomphe chaos and he just kind of rode up to us and like as he was stopping, like he's slowing down his bike, he's swinging his leg over and getting ready to hop off it, like just very gracefully dismounted this bike. And then he like invited us to a party or something. Oh my god! So he was like a model. Then we were like, this is bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, we just want to cross the road, dude. How do we do that? And he was like, please don't do that. Go under the tunnel. We were like, okay. Oui. Bonjour. Bonjour. So a French model saved your life. Uh, Nah. Nah, 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 nah. We would have worked it out. back to another episode of the Fierce Females of History podcast, where we tell the stories of women through history that you should know about. I'm Talissa. I'm Lucy. And I'm Erin. We might need a warning on this one. <laughs> warning, Talissa's anecdote is pretty graphic. Also, if you're not into periods, get off this podcast. Yeah, true. We're very pro-period. How are you into a period? Because it's part of our body. Yeah, okay. No, I know, but it's like there's accepting it and being into it i love it no I don't <laughs> but this story this this made me not love it as much i was at work and i've just been recently trying the cup the menstrual cup the menstrual cup right i thought i did it well i stood up on my desk at work and um i had a big red stain oh. on my jeans and the only person i could see was my friend blake and i said to him could you please get a woman because I thought, he's not going to want to see this necessarily. He doesn't get a period. And then he looked at me, looked at my stain and said, ah, thou cup runneth over. And left. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, being your bestie at work, he was across. He knew I was trying the cup today. The cup. He knew this was the cup day. That being said, periods can suck. They can suck. They'll suck even more if you don't have period products. So we've teamed up recently with Share the Dignity, which is this amazing Aussie charity. We absolutely love what they do. They're based in Brisbane. And I think it's safe to say 2020 has been a really tough year. Mm -hmm. Horrendous. For some more than others. And Share the Dignity helps women who are running short on life's essentials and those who are suffering from period poverty. It's very obvious that no woman should have to go without sanitary items so that's why this is so important so today we put together uh, some bags to share the dignity and we'd love for you to join us yes if you've ever had a bad period then you really should be listening hard because imagine how much worse this would be if you didn't have the things that you needed if you had yep. to deal with that without without having a pad or a tampon or a cup or or you know those new undies that seem really cool but they haven't been quite brave enough to try yet so all if you're interested all you need to do is grab a bag it has to be good quality but it can be pre-loved and you just need to fill it up with a couple of these items so our fierce females they need shampoo and conditioner toothbrush and toothpaste body wash or soap roll-on deodorant and sealed packets of pads or tampons and 
You can also add a luxury item. We did our own packs today. Mm-hmm. We did three different versions as well. We did a mother and bub bag. We did a woman bag. And then we did more of a kind of a teen bag, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone new to the period game because that's <laughs> freaking daunting enough as it is. So it's cool to chuck in a little luxury item. Now, this can be as easy as a little lipstick or a face mask. Um, I found the Very Hungry Caterpillar book, which I was really excited about so for the mums and bubs bag. Anything like that, it, it goes a long way it does and dropping them off is super easy as well just take them to your local bindings this is obviously just for our australian listeners if you haven't clued in yet um and this next sentence will make heaps of sense while you're there get a snack it's worth it you drop the bag off you get your snack happy days have and, a reason to go to Bunnings. And make sure that you share what you're doing. So when you've got the bags, when you're dropping them off, head online and tag Share the Dignity and tag us too, Fierce Females of History podcast. The Share the Dignity, it's in the bag campaign is running 20th to the 29th of November or you can go to sharethedignity.org.au for more information. Hashtag Share the Dignity. It's in the bag. <laughs> Setting scene. Okay. It's an overcast, grey and rainy day in Mexico in September 1925. A young boy and a young girl, a couple, were travelling home from school together. They were chatting, having a few laughs, (laughs) whilst quickly boarding a local bus. Suddenly, the young girl realised she must have dropped her umbrella somewhere behind her, so the pair quickly hopped off to have a look. They soon boarded another, more crowded bus nearby and took seats towards the back. Still chatting and laughing, the two they two were just having a dandy old afternoon. Soon they heard a loud beep coming from the front of the bus. It was the driver. He was yelling as he tried to pass around an oncoming electric streetcar, but he wasn't fast enough. The vehicles collided, dragging the bus several metres across the road before crashing to a dangerous halt. Several passengers were killed on impact. The young boy came too. He felt around and realised that he'd only suffered some minor injuries. He sighed, but then he remembered. The girl, his love, where was she? He looked around and there he saw her. She was lying, lifeless, covered in gold glitter. Oh. He yelled her name. Frida, Frida, wake up. But he then noticed the metal rod sticking out of her midsection. (gasps) He tried to pull it out but it was too heavy. He called for others nearby to help him free the pole. They worked together to remove the pole and the young girl stirred in pain, so she was conscious. Whoa. The pole had punctured her abdomen and her uterus. Her pelvic bone was fractured. Her spine was broken in three places. Her leg was broken in 11 places. She had a dislocated shoulder, broken collarbone, and three additional vertebrae had also been broken. Oh, what my God. The fucking ouch. The accident was about to change that young girl's life forever. This is the story of Frida Kahlo. Wow. So, we're doing Frida Kahlo, if you're wondering. <laughs> um, yeah, so the gold glitter is actually true. So, apparently someone on the bus had, like, a bag of gold glitter. And I think that it's cool to mention that because the whole of Frida's story is very theatrical mm-hmm. and very vivid and colourful and full of life, even though she experiences this extreme turmoil in all parts of her life. Mm-hmm. And... That paired with living in Mexico, which is already such a vibrant and loud city, 
in the middle of a revolution. Um, and then also her personality. It's just like, it's a wonderful, colourful, crazy mm. story. Love it. So let's dive in. Magdalena Frida Carmen Carlo Calderon was born on July 6, 1907 in Mexico City. Frida Carlo's father, William, also called Guillermo, was a German photographer who had immigrated to Mexico, where he then met and married Frida's mother, Matilde. She had two older sisters, Matilde and Adriana, and her younger sister, Cristina, was born the year after Frida. Now, some researchers do suggest that she did not have a very close relationship with her mom, but that is also kind of debated later on in life, mm-hmm. um, because she was born after her mother lost a son. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, as a result, Frida spent a lot of her time with, her, with, with the nanny. Um, but in a series of letters shown between Frida and her mother during Frida's first overseas trip to New York later on when she's 23, she shows that she's actually very homesick and there's a lot of love there. So, yeah, I think it's just a typical mother-daughter relationship Classic. at times, really. Mm-hmm. As we come to learn, Frida is bold. She's a bold, bold, bold person. Anyways, so she had health problems from birth. Never mind the accident that happens later on down the track. She was born with spina bifida, which is when part of the spine is deformed. Okay. And she also contracted polio at the age of six. Oh, shit. Yep. So she was always suffering from chronic pain, basically, her whole entire life. Far out. Yeah. It's fucking shit. See, I knew... I think I knew about an accident. I didn't know the specifics, but I had no idea that she already had things going on with her health. She's a fighter. Yeah, wow. Um, school was also a shit time for Barbara Frieda. Her polio caused her to have a slight limp. And school kids, because they're the fucking worst. The worst. The worst. Nicknamed her Frida La, Co- La Coca. La. Frida La Coja, which is Frida the Lame. Hmm. I know, we're little dickheads. <laughs> Anyways, she overcame. She persevered. <laughs> uh, what's that mean? How it started? How it's going? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Fuck yeah. You guys. <laughs> Um, her father had a great appreciation for art and definitely influenced Frida um, into being interested in art herself. But she didn't initially aspire to become a painter. Okay. Um, she actually had big dreams of becoming a doctor. Oh. Because Homegirl is a legend. Um, she was very intelligent, very intelligent. And at the age of 16, she became one of 35 girls out of 2,000 students to be accepted into the Escuela Nacional Preparatoria, which is the best school in Mexico at the time. Wow, beautiful. Yeah, top-notch school. And there she studied. She started studying her natural sciences to, towards becoming a doctor. Right. Um, now, whilst Frida did go on to have a famous, long and tumultuous marriage to a famous muralist and communist that we all know as Diego Rivera, mm-hmm. yeah, which we will get to, she was actually quite young when they first crossed paths, um, which was when she was at school. Is he the boy on the bus? No. Oh, no. Okay. Can confirm that that was her first boyfriend Aww. at school. Diego Rivera, he's the man with probably the longest name in history. I okay. His full name. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah. Buckle it is. On his birth certificate, which is probably like an A3 size sheet, <laughs> is... And we all know how good I am. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm looking I'm forward excited. to this. And Lucy's like, cringing. <laughs> Sorry, I've got the Google Translate ready. Diego Rivera's full name is Diego Maria de la Concepcion Juan Nepomuxino Estanislao de la Rivera y Barentino Barentos Acosta y Rodriguez. Or... Diego Maria de la Concepción, Juan Nepomuceno, Estanislao de la Rivera, Ibarrientos Acosta y Rodríguez. 
Nailed it. It's love. I nailed it. (laughs) Same. Did you actually play something? Was that you again? That was me again. Look, I won't lie. He uh, he was really ugly. (laughs) Like he was fucking ugly, and I'm only saying that because he was put on this pedestal. I'm looking at a picture of him now. Actually, he is fugly guy. I've seen a photo before, and I'm only saying that because he was a (laughs) douchebag. He was, but their love was strong. Wow. It, really, it really was. He must have had a great personality. Well, well personality. Not or really. Yeah, you're right. He's not. Other things. He was a womanizer. Anyways, I feel like I can say that because he, was, he wasn't the best person at times. Douche. At least not where Frida was concerned, which is our priority in exactly. this story. She actually first met Diego in 1922 when she was still at school. He was a 37-year-old accomplished painter. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So he did a lot of popular murals around Mexico City. So how, how old was she? She was 15. He's 37. They weren't together, but that's the first time they met. But okay. that's their age Power gap. dynamics already mm-hmm. in play. Um, he was actually painting a mural at Frida's school when they met, and she would come by and tease him and watch him work. Two years later, Frida then was in the tragic bus and tram accident with her high school boyfriend, Alejandro. And that... Alejandro. Alejandro. Beautiful Alejandro. Yeah. Um, which put her in bed for months, as you can believe. Um, and that is when she began painting. Okay. Right. She was obviously very frustrated with the whole situation. Frida was always go, 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 go. That's why she drove her mother crazy and whatever, because yep. she was always running around. And she, had, she was full of energy, full of life, full of opinions. Like She was a ballsy girl. And then this just put her in bed for months. Frustrating. Horizontal, because of her spine. Yeah. And so her dad being into painting and a painter himself he was like yeah here's yeah, your yeah. here's your thing yeah. started yeah so she spent a lot of her recovery laying horizontal in bed her family installed a mirror into the top of her canopy bed frame so that when she was lying vert- uh, horizontal she would have the the canvas on her lap like this and it would reflect in the mirror she could see that's and cool she could see in the mirror and oh that's my how she painted god how wow. cool is that and she also painted her casts because she had a sp- uh, chest cast on. She'd have to paint backwards because the mirror Yeah, so it was in reverse. Wow. But, yeah, painting. That sounds very complicated. That's so cool. It is cool. Yeah. I love it. No, it's, it's really awesome. awesome. But it sounds but, yeah, more difficult. It sounds so hard, yeah. 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 To be a good painter in the first place is the first yeah, thing. Yeah, to do it in reverse. <laughs> to do it backwards is crazy. So a year later, she finished her first of many self-portraits. Mm-hmm. Now, Frida is very, very famous for her self-portraits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her very deep and her very powerful and very emotional and painful, often graphic, but stunning, 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 stunningly beautiful portraits. And it was here where she did one of her very first self-portraits called Self-Portrait in a Velvet Dress. This was in 1926. Um, She painted that portrait the year after her bus accident in 1925 for her boyfriend. Unfortunately, by that point, he had broken up with her because I'm pretty sure his family moved overseas or something. And I'm taking that from the film (laughs) Frida starring (laughs) Salma Hayek. Freaking awesome film. Um, Anyways, so he broke up with her. They weren't together anymore. And... Frida was always, like I said, she's always a bit theatrical, yeah. loved a bit of drama. And so in an attempt to win back Alejandro's affection, Carlos sent him this self-portrait with a letter attached stating, I implore you to put it in a low place where you can see it as if you were looking at me. Yeah, like, just to remind you what you're missing, bro. 
Anyways. Amazing. Queen. It's like when you break up with someone and you're like, post all the hot pics. Like. <laughs> Just a reminder. Not that we need to do that for anyone. We do it for ourselves. <laughs> Anyways, fast, fast forward to 1928. Frida was no longer bedridden. Um, but she did. Uh, she also had several paintings under her belt by this point that she'd been working on during her, I say recovery, but she had long-term repercussions from this accident. And, of yeah. course, she already had the previous health history. So she's, from then on, constantly having issues with her health. Yeah. Um, but she had a whole lot of self-portraits and paintings under her arm that she'd been working on by this point. And she wanted a professional opinion because... Yeah. Girl was like, I'm good at this. <laughs> yeah. These are freaking good paintings. And so she wanted the opinion of Diego Rivera because she had a lot of respect for him and so did all of Mexico and Mexico City and whatever. Because of all these murals and well, apparently School he was murals. really good in bed because who knows. So she put a few of those paintings under her arm, grabbed a walking stick and off she went to track him down. And he was impressed. He was like, you're good. Obviously, he didn't, you know, go on and on about it because, you know, he's a man and he's supposed to be the best. Um, but he did see a lot of potential in her and he said that the canvases revealed an unusual energy of expression, precise delineation of character and true severity. So he was like, I'm seeing something in you, kid. Mm. You're good. I'm going to make millions of you. One to watch. Okay, so he told her to keep going with it and that she had potential. Um, but he also kept her grounded and he was like, you're kind of like that, you're only as good as your last painting vibe. Yeah, like right. keep going. Yeah. Um, so he told her to keep going with it, and he said later on, I didn't know it then, but Frida had already become the most important fact in my life. To make millions off. No. No, he did really. They really did love each other, but it was tumultuous. Anyway, so that's kind of the beginning of their journey together. Now, in terms of Frida's iconic painting style, you've probably seen a few. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're going to post some mm -hmm. online. Um, but Frida Kahlo was a central figure in the Neo-Mexicanismo um, art movement in Mexico, which emerged in the 1970s, which was very colourful, kind of folk-like art um, due to traditional elements. And some people called it kind of like surrealist. Mm -hmm. um, but Kahlo actually said that people thought it was surrealist, but to her it wasn't. She didn't paint dreams. She painted her reality. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, they were really deep, 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 deep paint. Anyways, her self-portraits often included interpretations of physical and psychological wounds as well. It's a very, very deep yeah. content. Frida went on to be uh, incredibly patriotic, particularly around the time she did meet Diego, who was a communist. Um, so much so, she falsified her birth date to July 7, 1910, which is the year the Mexican Revolution began. Wow. Yep. Um, that's... that's a weird That's thing an to effort. do. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, Mexico forever. Viva, Viva forever. La Mexico. Yeah. Um, it was so that people could directly associate her with the Mexican Revolution, which began in 1910. Um, she became an embodiment of Mexican culture, but she herself wasn't really fully Mexican. German. Yeah. So her father, as I said, oh, yeah, was German. born in Germany, and he's also Jewish and has Hungarian ancestry as well. And she... She herself claimed that she's from a long line of German Lutherans and some research argues that, though. So okay. she was just very low. Mexico for life, but also I'm German. Cultural melting pot. Yeah. Um, she became a member of the Communist Party at the age of 21 mm -hmm. and she committed to defending social justice and Mexican culture. Yeah. She formed a group called the Cachuchas, 
baseball caps who rejected conservative values and discussed Russian politics and literature. Um, Fun. I know. Why did we do a fierce females podcast when we should have just had a Russian literature yeah, I know, right? We're wasting our damn time yeah. here. <laughs> Seize the means of production, ladies, and redistribute them yeah. to the masses. Now, oh, because we love her already, we could only love her even more, when she was heavily, heavily committed to the emancipation and equality of women. Mm-hmm. Here, here. Um, she was also unsubmissive, unsubmissive in nature and very ahead of her times, being that she proudly assumed her bisexuality at a time when no woman dared to do yeah. so. Frida Kahlo. Yeah, she was we like, love I love, her. love, y'all. Love gender and sexuality expression. Yeah, she was, mm-hmm. yeah, all that to a T. And like I said, obviously, this was not a time where that was hip-hop happening. So Frida and Diego formed a very, very strong bond, a very strong friendship, and they very quickly turned into lovers. So their friendship blossomed into a very, very, very passionate love. Mm-hmm. In 1929, they got married, and her mom wasn't really the biggest fan of the idea, because and he's like always, twice her age. Yep, mum always knows best, uh, but we'll get more to that later. Um, their love for each other was very strong. They were huge fans of each other's work, each other's biggest supporters. Um, Which is nice. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, nice. I think that it's interesting because at the time, no one really knew about Frida. Everyone knew about Diego, and now you know about Frida. Yeah. In 1930, Diego was invited to work in America. Uh, so they moved to San Francisco for six months and Diego was commissioned to paint murals and feature an exhibition. So obviously this was a big deal for Hotshot Diego. Um, he was even commissioned to paint a mural in the lobby of the Rockefeller Center. Wow. But hmm. it was taken down eventually because it included a portrait of Vladimir Lenin, which oh. is the former leader of the Soviet Union. Yeah. And it was Rockefeller's son because, of course, this was back when the Rockefellers were still around. Um, the, so his son, the press, and some of the public actually protested against it, and then obviously all that public uproar led to it being brought down. Anti-communism ran high in a lot of American circles, although many others in this period of the Great Depression had also been drawn to the movement mm-hmm. as an offer of hope to labour. So it was all very dramatic outside yeah. the doors of the Rockefeller Center. During their time in America, because they were there for quite a while, Frida was also very productive herself, because she's not just going to sit queen. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she was continuing to just work on her own painting style, which is all she really... She just loved painting. Yeah. She didn't really necessarily, you know. Um, she was introduced to many famous painters at the time as well, and although she still publicly presented herself as simply Riviera's spouse rather than as an artist... She participated for the very first time in an exhibition, and it was the Frida and Diego Rivera exhibition um, at the sixth annual exhibition of San Francisco Society of Women Artists in the Palace of the Legion of Honor. Um, So that was in San Fran. So So was she painting, but nothing was happening with her paintings? Yeah, no, she was just doing her Putting them to the side? Yeah, pretty much. She doing it for herself. So just a reminder, like, she was um, going through a lot of psychological and physiological um, strains at the time, mm. and sh- to express herself, she painted. She painted. Yeah, yeah. but but it wasn't like they. W- she was not. It was an outlet. Yeah, it was an outlet. But okay. she wasn't doing it to sell them or necessarily sell them or make yeah. money. Okay, she was like, this is his time. You know, it's always his time. Really, let's be honest. Mm. Being on this trip with Diego was actually very beneficial to her in developing her style, and obviously 
networking. She later moved to Detroit and there she did unfortunately suffer a miscarriage and many health problems. Um, And so naturally, as I said before, those major life experiences and her general dislike for capitalist culture in the US was reflected in her art. She started to experiment with some different techniques uh, such as etching and frescoes, and her paintings began to show a stronger narrative style. Right. Cool. She also began placing emphasis on the themes of terror, suffering, wounds, and pain. Oh, cheerful. Yes, yeah. super dark stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, her paintings are beautiful, but they're so dark and, like, really, really heartbreaking. Really, really heartbreaking. Her piece, Henry Ford Hospital, in 1932, was a reflection on her miscarriage, and it features six items floating around her. I'll actually get it up. Yeah, I want to see it. Henry Ford Hospital, 1962. Oh, you're getting that. Cool. Yeah. Because um, she, you said the pole went through her uterus. Yeah. Yes. And that, that, that accident on the bus yeah. with the pole through her uterus is exactly what attributed to her having mm. um, issues Oops. with trying to get Surprise, pregnant. Yeah, I was going to say, surprised she could get yeah, pregnant. Yeah, which is why, yeah, so during this time in America, that's kind of when she decided she wanted to try and have a child. And yeah. Poor thing. Yeah, so that's why, and then this incredibly famous now, painting that she did in 1932 Mm -hmm. a reflection on that miscarriage in america um it features the six items floating around her yeah Um, holy yeah very very deep so she's laying on her bed in this painting with a pool of blood holding her stomach a single tear is on her cheek there are six red cords that emanate from her open hand that rests on her stomach and the end of the co- each cord is tied to an object. There's a snail that Frida has said referred to how long it took for her to miscarry. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh I think she was almost God. full term. Yeah, yeah, that's really fucking heartbreaking. Um, next to that snail in the centre is a male fetus, an expression of her desire to have a boy. Mm-hmm. The left is a model of the female re- reproductive organs and spinal column that perhaps attempts to connect her to her previous skeletal problems and her reproductive problems after the bus crash with the pole going through her uterus. Below that is a small metallic object that has the appearance of a machine. It's not a recognisable device, so a machine can be repaired. Why can't my body be repaired? Yeah. Yeah. That's what that is. And then the right of the machine is a purple orchid, and Diego had given her an orchid, so perhaps that was his support during that time. Yeah. And then there's a pelvic bone as well that appears to be slightly distorted or damaged, representing her inability to have children. Mm. Yeah. So so uh, heavy, heavy heavy duty stuff. Going back to her exhibit, and this is Rich. While none of Carlo's works were featured in exhibitions in Detroit, she gave an interview to the Detroit News on her art, and the article was condescendingly titled, Wife of the Master Mural Painter Gleefully Dabbles... (laughs) Dabbles... In works of art. Bet the person that wrote that feels like a fucking dickhead now. (laughs) How it started, how it's going. (laughs) How do I delete? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so after this very heartbreaking trip, they soon returned to Mexico where Frida slowed down for a little bit um, with her art due to her health until 1937, where she was back again, back at the canvas, and that was around the time that her marriage was teetering. Okay. So again, another very emotional part of her life. Although she was still unsure about her work, the National Autonomous University of uh, Mexico did exhibit some of those paintings in early 1938. Yep. So basically, as her marriage was on the shitter... Sorry, that's not the right expression. <laughs> it's not on the toilet. <laughs> in, in the, the shitter. Toilet, whilst her marriage is on the rocks, she turns her attention to her art and it uh, pays off. Okay. Yes. So the National Autonomous University of Mexico starts exhibiting some of her paintings in early 1938... 
which was when she made her first significant sale. Right. Okay. Yeah. And film star and art collector Edward G. Robinson purchased four of her paintings at $200 each. Oh, my God. Imagine <laughs> what they'd be worth I now. I know. It's yeah. crazy. Even greater recognition followed that when French surrealist André Breton visited Riviera in April in 1938, and he was impressed by her, of course. Why wouldn't you be? Immediately claiming her as a surrealist and describing her work as a ribbon around a bomb. Drama. <laughs> yeah. He not only promised to arrange for her like paintings that. to be exhibited in Paris, but also wrote to his friend and art dealer Julian Levy, Levy, who invited her to hold her first solo exhibition in his gallery on the East 57th Street in Manhattan. Wow. So, you know, who needs wow. men when you can have a career? <laughs> also, Mom. Good on. <laughs> <laughs> so Frida and Diego had a very tumultuous uh, marriage, both having multiple affairs. Um, Rivera had multiple affairs with other women, and Frida had multiple affairs with both men and women. Fun. She also I mean, had a, not fun. Fun? Well, Who knows? Know. Frida also had an affair with Leon Trotsky, which was the founder of the Red Army. So he was a famous Russian revolutionary who came to Mexico to receive political asylum from the Soviet Union. Wowie. He was a wanted man. And he first stayed with Diego because he was friends with him and uh, Frida at their home. And then Frida was like, now you're my friend. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And he, him and his wife came and lived with them. And then pretty much, yep, him and what? Carlo had an affair <gasps> as well. Yeah, so he had to leave. And Rivera's like, he's mine, Frida! <laughs> yeah, he's my friend! And she's like, you will. Debatable. She painted a self-portrait dedicated to him. Uh, wow. Yeah, so they got on very well. It's safe to say. Um, so Frida was very aware of Diego's disloyalty in the boudoir, but the final straw was when Rivera even had an affair with Carlo's younger sister, Christina. Gross. Yeah, that's yeah, not cool. because she had a really, really rough marriage, very um, violent marriage, and she eventually left her husband. She had kids as well and confided in Diego, of course, and Frida, and then... That was pretty much it for Frida. She was like, get the fuck out. Good. It's yeah. done. Yeah. Also, sister, do better. Yeah. Do better. Yeah. 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 But then, to be dramatic, of course, our girl Frida decided to rename herself Christina in an effort to once again become the object of Diego's desire. She was fully in love with him. Wow. From the beginning She's to the end. But that's like obsessive. Yeah, she was obsessed. But they were obsessed with each other. Like, he was the same. We'll get to that. Anyways, they did divorce in 1939. After that all went down. And perhaps unsurprisingly, Mum, this was the first time that Frida's recognition began to grow. (laughs) In October 1938, she travelled to the US solo for her New York exhibition. Her unique style and colourful fashion, of course, we're very aware of her colourful fashion. Stunning. And painting style gained a huge response. She was commissioned by the Museum of Modern Art. Oh, Whoa! Cool. Well, the MoMA. MoMA. She then went on to Paris, where one of her pieces became the first work by a 20th century Mexican artist to be purchased by an internationally renowned museum. Cool. The Louvre. The Louvre. Oh, shit. Yes, darling. Bought- so it kind of started in, like, fits and starts, and then it just... Bloody took off, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, her literally. career. Leaps and bounds. Literally when she got rid of the, the ball and chain, yeah, the ball and she chain. flew. The Louvre yeah. was like, hey, 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 yeah. Frida, right? And I think it's just more monumental because he was such a hot shot in the art yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. Until she was like, bye, Felicia. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be better. 
The Louvre bought uh, Carlos the frame, making it the first work by a 20th century Mexican artist to be purchased, which I said. She was also warmly received by other Parisian artists, such as Pablo Picasso mm -hmm. and John Miro, as well as the fashion world, designer Elsa Schiaparelli. Schiaparelli? Schiaparelli. Elsa Schiaparelli designed a dress inspired by her, and Vogue Paris put her on its cover. Cool. Which is the super, super popular famous photo. Can we talk about the fact that Pablo Picasso, Vogue magazine, and Freddie Carla were all around at the same oh, time? Yeah. It's really weird. Oh. Yeah, yeah I've definitely awesome. seen that before. Yeah. So the famous photo of Frida with the green floral background, flowers in her hair, was the Vogue Paris cover. Now, this is also a rumour which I have also addressed in a previous episode. Mm, I know where you're going. <laughs> a rumour that I dream is so very, very true, and around that time it is speculated while she was in Paris, <laughs> soaking up the culture, seeing all the amazing shows, da 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 that she did have an affair with Josephine Baker. <laughs> Love it. As we know, <laughs> is our showgirl cheetah-owning extraordinaire. Yeah. Okay, now she did have a few bumps in the road while she was in Paris. It was a bit of a love-hate relationship, which is shown in some of her letters mm -hmm. um, that she wrote about at the time. Um, some galleries refused to show her work because it was deemed too graphic. Wow. And some of her art didn't make it through customs when she arrived there, oh, which shivers. stuffed up her exhibitions. Yeah. Wow. That yeah. sucks. Yep. In a letter, she called Parisians this bunch of cuckoo lunatics and very <laughs> stupid surrealists. <laughs> who are so crazy, intellectual, and rotten that I can't even stand them anymore. Wow. But she was very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She was very dramatic. And so she also loved... She also has said that she loved Paris as well. Emily um, in Paris. Frida in Paris. Have you guys watched Emily in Paris? Yes. And I loved it. <laughs> and awful. I hated myself for loving it. So she's a marketing guru, and she comes up with the concept of, like, why don't we just use, like, hashtags? And I was like, oh, Emily, you've done it again. And it's like... What, what is happening? Fuck? But I'm, I was so into it. I watched it in a day. Oh, my God. But yeah, we're talking about what? it. We're talking about that it. It's so good. Show. And I'm going to watch it we again. We can just say spoiler alert for the next minute of chat. Yes. I just couldn't get behind the fact that we're supposedly meant to cheer her and what's his face, um, Gabrielle on. When he's in a like a loving relationship with a beautiful girl and it's like, no, leave Cammy. And it's like, no, she's beautiful. Like, yes. Because it's so good. I didn't even get through 10 minutes. I was like, this is right. You need to push through to episode two. Put <sighs> mama, there's some sexy guys in the show and some sexy girls. And, <laughs> and I they really all, like they it. They all just fall in love with her. That's the most. The, yeah. And she, she's an American who can't speak any French and doesn't even like try. But the hot French guys are just like falling over themselves to be with her. Ugh, I was stupid. in Paris and that did not happen. Paris was annoying her. She was pissed off. She was dramatic. She went home and okay. then her and Diego got back together and they got remarried. Okay. Now, although that second marriage was just as troubled as the first, they remained married until Frida died. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Together forever from that. They really did love each other. Their art was, uh, art and love was complicated. Um, anyway, so then her, her, but it didn't matter because her art continued to boom. And that was when she went on to get more and more recognition. She went global, became the founding member of the Seminario de Cultura Mexicano, which is a group of artists commissioned by the Ministry of Public Education to spread public knowledge of Mexican culture. Woo, yeah. Love it. Yeah. yeah. She also went on to teach, and it wasn't until the late 1940s that she actually started making decent money from her art. Okay. Wow. I know, right? And by decent, it's not still not bajillionaire. 
Her financial situation improved when she received a 5,000 peso national prize for her painting Moses in 1945 and in 1946. And when the two, no, sorry, she painted in 1945 and then she got commissioned in 1946. And when the two Frieders was purchased by the Museo de Arte Moderno in 1947, which is the really, really famous painting of her, two versions of her sitting next to each yeah. other, holding hands. So oh, there's like. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Wow. Yeah, so the two Frieders um, is a... So that was actually completed shortly after her divorce with Diego. Okay. And it's a portrait of her two different personalities. One is the traditional Frida with a broken heart sitting next to her independent, modernly dressed self. Yeah. Good for her. I'm rebirthing and I'm going to do this and I'm going to be amazing. And she did. It's very powerful. Yeah, Yeah. It's amazing. Wow, I can't stop looking at it. I know. You can't. And every time you look at her paintings, you see something different. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's fantastic. So at least 55 of her 143 paintings were self-portraits. Self-love. But also, <laughs> like, not so much self-love because she was going through so much hard. Yeah, processing, exactly. <laughs> Therapy. When she was asked why she painted so many of herself, she said, because I am so often alone because I am the subject I know best. Mm. So it is self-love yeah, in yeah. a way. Yeah. It's very inspiring. Appreciation. Yeah. As Frida continued to gain her recognition in her home country, her health also continued to deteriorate, unfortunately. Mm. She underwent surgery on her spine, which failed. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, as I mentioned earlier, across her lifetime, she suffered several miscarriages. She underwent 32 surgeries. She wears wow. 28 32 surgeries. 32 surgeries over the time span of her life. Mm-hmm. She wears 28 supportive corsets. Mm. Um, but, as we know, it did not hinder her determination. No. Despite being bed-bound, she said, I am not dead and I have a reason to live. That reason is painting. She spent many of her final years in the famous Casa Azul, uh, also known as the Frida Kahlo Museum now, yeah. which is the amazing blue home. Have you mm. seen photos of this? Yeah. Yeah. So that's like her family home. She grew up in it. And you can go there and visit it. Wow. It's now the Frida Kahlo Museum in Mexico. She was born there. She grew up there. And she went on to live there with Diego. And it's beautiful. She repainted it dark blue. And it's got red window panes. And it's like this paradise. It's oh, cool. Amazing. Yeah. So colourful. I know. I'm excited. There's so many cool photos I get to I know. <laughs> this is a very visual podcast. Very, yeah. very yeah. visual um, episode Show for a podcast. In <laughs> April 1953, Frida finally got her first solo exhibition in Mexico. Hell yeah. Wow. Yeah. In 1953. Wow. I know. You don't think that that would be the case, how right? Old, how old was she? Do we know? 46. Yeah. So, Do you know those things that are like, you don't, you don't need to have it all figured out by like your 20s? Frida was 46 before she got her first big exhibition. Yeah. yeah. And like she's probably one of the most well-known artists in history ever. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a nice like, so I've got time, yeah. take your time. Yeah, I know. And like I think it's interesting with this because, and this is very, like I did not study art, so respect to people who did, but a lot of artists got famous after they died. Yeah. yeah. So they did a lot of their works, a lot of their works went unseen, mm-hmm. and then they were uncovered later, and then they went on to be yeah. incredibly famous. But Frida had this platform off Diego. Obviously, she had her own independent success, yeah. which we know, but she had that element in her life mm-hmm. 
That could amplify. To amplify. Mm -hmm. But she still didn't get her own solo exhibition until she was 46. Wild. Anyway, so then she gets this first solo exhibition and it's in Mexico. So it's so important to her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's her home country. It's Viva Mexico. It's what she lives and breathes for. Anyways, so Frida was unfortunately told that she was not allowed to go to her exhibition because her poor health Mm. was so bad. So Frida and her doctor actually said to her... uh, you have to be on bed rest and you cannot leave this bed. Anyways, so Frida... Full circle. ...ordered her four-poster bed be moved from her home <laughs> to the gallery. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> on the opening night. That's amazing. <laughs> She's like, well, I'm in bed. <laughs> so she surprised her guests, made her grand dramatic entrance. Did they just wheel the bed in? So pretty much they brought the bed in. And set the bed up, and she got transferred by ambulance, and then she ca- got carried on a stretcher to the bed. Hell yeah. And that's where she stayed for the rest of the party. Love that. In the middle of the gallery. <laughs> yeah. On bed rest, just as the doctor had ordered. Yeah. I yeah. feel like that's part of the exhibition, though. Like, yeah. Exactly. What, you know? imagine? Oh, my yeah. God. Like, oh, God. It's like living art. That's yeah. a fucking moment. She is art. She yeah. is. She literally is. Yeah. Um, as that exhibition was a notable cultural event in Mexico and also received attention in mainstream press around the world, that exact same year, the Tate Gallery exhibition. Oh, wow. Oh. Um, on Mexican art in London. The Tate Modern. The Tate Modern, yes. It's very, very, very popular. Uh, London Gallery featured five of her paintings Woo-hoo. in that Mexican exhibition. Mm. Carlo died 20 days after her 47th birthday on July 26, 1954. Yum. Whoa. And a few days before her death, she wrote in her diary, I hope the exit is joyful and I hope never to return. Frida. Yeah. She was like, I've done all I can here. Yeah. Peace out. Carlo was moderately successful during her lifetime, which is what I was saying before, and it was only several years after her death that her work became widely acclaimed. During her lifetime, she was mainly known in Mexico as Rivera's wife. Now she is popular worldwide, and Rivera is known as her husband. (laughs) (laughs) Frida and Diego have had prolonged fame in the art world, I think that's safe to say, Mexico and history itself. The couple appeared on the Mexican 500, 500 peso note up until 2018. Wow. Cool. Yep. In May 2006, her self-portrait route sold for US $5.6 million at an auction, which set the auction record for a Latin American piece of art. Wow. wow. So let's go back to that $200 painting. I know. <laughs> the yeah. profit on that one. You I could know. flip that. Two famous <laughs> movies have been made of her life, including the one starring... Uh, the amazing Salma Hayek and numerous articles, books and documentaries have been made. We were very lucky to go to the um, Sydney exhibition. Yeah. Cool Frida and Diego. It was yeah. amazing. It was fantastic. I think this is a book. So the bestseller Frida, the biography of Frida Kahlo and the movie Frida um, in 1983 and then the 2002 film Frida, which stars Salma Hayek as well, which grossed over $50 million and gained two Academy Awards. Wow. If you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. Mm. Yeah, she's very good. Despite a life of pain and suffering, Frida went on to become one of the most famous artists in the world and the most notable female painters ever. Mm, Definitely. She turned her pain into beauty, fought against societal norms, embraced her sexuality, and had a fucking great style (laughs) while doing it. Yes, she did. Freaking salute you, Frida. Mm. Viva Mexico. Viva Frida. (laughs) 
Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Feast Swimmers of History podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on that story. I'm not doing hand gestures. You're like looking out to the live audience. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming. Whee! We've all been great tonight. Especially on the back. Yeah. You. You. You and the you. nosebleeds. You. Pay more next time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Have a great night. Get home safe. Uh, anyway. <laughs> as always, you can find us on socials, uh, Instagram at Feast Females Podcast and Facebook, Feast Females of History. You can email us. It's feastfemalesofhistory at gmail.com or feel free to scroll down wherever you're listening, Spotify or iTunes, podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Whatever you're listening. Wherever <laughs> you get your podcasts. <laughs> yeah, no, scroll down, leave us a review, leave us a comment as well and take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram story and tag us so we can see who you are and more people can find out about us and our stories. Yes. Or you can lovingly paint, spend hours on this, a self-portrait of yourself, ship it to us with a little note that says, keep this in a low place. <laughs> when we see you, see we're like, we don't know who you are. But <laughs> <laughs> this feels a little bit inappropriate, but thank you. But we will. Yeah. <laughs>